Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to share the review of the month. And this review is from Angela, the sunshine I need for my online biz. Natasha is always bringing me new and proven tips to implement in my online business. Her down-to-earth personality makes her so relatable, and I love how easy she makes things. I love, love, love this podcast and her. Thank you so much for your amazing review, Angela. This one absolutely made my day, and I so appreciate you taking the time out of your day to let us know that you love the show. And if you're enjoying the show too, definitely be sure to leave a review, share on Instagram. We would love to hear what you're loving, what you'd love to hear more from. I look forward to these types of reviews and messages every single day. So thank you for being a supporter of the show. Now let's get into your dose of sunshine in today's episode. I'm so excited today on the show. I'm going to be having Margo with me and she is an email marketing strategist and sales copy expert. So thank you so much for joining me, Margo. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here, Natasha. So I want to go first back in your journey. Like how did you get started and making all the amazing magical words that help your clients make more sales? Like how did you get to where you are now in your business? And then we'll dive into email marketing strategy. Yeah. So my first career was actually as a social worker, which a lot of people might think, what on earth does that have to do with copywriting and sales? But it really has a lot to do with it. The clients that I worked with were youth, teens, and children. And so a lot of the communication that they needed to do to navigate things like the immigration system and the courts as foster children, I had to do for them. So I had to learn to be really compelling to a lot of different audiences and to communicate really well in the written form. I had always been comfortable with public speaking and getting in front of groups. And all of a sudden I was writing these really important reports that were gonna be read before a judge. And that was my only shot (laughs) to communicate the needs of my clients. So when I burned out of my social work career um, and looked for a next stage for myself, actually I ended up in the wellness industry. I needed to heal personally. And so in my mind, that was what made sense at the time. And so I became a massage therapist. I still love getting massages but that only lasted for about a year because (laughs) I just have a very strategic brain. Like I kind of always need this Rubik's cube to solve. I need a puzzle. And so naturally led into me starting a business because a lot of folks in the wellness industry are incredibly skilled at what they do, whether Mm -hmm. they, um, you know, make a natural product or they're a chiropractor, naturopath, massage therapist, but they're really either uncomfortable or they don't want to take their time to work on selling. And whether we like it or not in the economy that we live in, that is part of running a business, right? So that is where everything started. So I started working for one um, massage therapy client. I was writing the copy for their emails and their website. Then I started working for a naturopath. I was writing the copy for 
her blog and her website and her emails. And it just kind of spiraled from there. So at the beginning, I considered myself a small time freelance copywriter. You guys can't see me, but I'm using big air quotes right now. Uh, I did not understand the reasons why I would want to approach this as a business, as a business owner, rather than just a freelancer. I think I thought of like, oh, keep it simple, low overhead costs. I can be more independent and make my own decisions if I don't get bigger. Um, when in reality, you can still keep your overhead costs low and you can still do great work for folks as you grow. So helped a lot of business owners in the wellness industry and then took more and more training and continuing education and became a specialist in email marketing rather than like the broad spectrum. Now, email marketing is of course tied into things like sales pages, right? And opt-ins and lead magnets and webinars. So I consider it like the ecosystem of email marketing. I don't tell people I only write emails and, and nothing else. And then gradually over time started um, transitioning out of working just with the wellness industry and became more broadly known as an email marketing and sales funnel expert for folks that work in the online business space. I still work with some brick and mortar businesses, but the majority of the work I do is for people who sell online consulting, online services. Mm -hmm. So, you know, graphic designer, social media manager, copywriter, online consulting and services, coaching, and then online courses and memberships and masterminds. And that's, I would say, the bulk of what I do now is I educate folks. I have a course where I walk people through my framework for creating their first sales funnel, specifically an automated webinar sales funnel. And then I serve one-on-one clients with funnel build intensives. Nice. Well, that is such an interesting story. I had no clue you started there. And I'm sure that all the skills that you kind of had in that first career that you were in really plays a role into how you write copy for your clients now. But I'm also curious, you said you kind of started with that mindset at first where you're like, I'll just keep it simple. Like I'll just do freelancing. Like how has your, you know, business evolved now? Like, you know, talk a little about growing like a team, you know, getting all these different players involved, but how have you also kept it simple and and profitable for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I learned, you know, I've hired multiple people over the course of my journey as a business owner. And I think I probably hired earlier than most people do. Part of the reason for that is I'm a mom and I have always run my business part-time. So I started my business. This is like insane looking back on it now, but I was living, we, my husband and I, he was in grad school. We were very living very simply. We we're living in a one bedroom apartment with our baby. And she basically had the bedroom and we lived on a futon in the living oh room. And so I started my business working from like 3am to 7am before he had to leave for his grad student rotations on the bathroom floor in this apartment. Right. So I started so, so simple guys. And I've always wanted this to be something that I could keep part time and still enjoy, you know, the rest of my life and enjoy spending time with my kids. And, you know, I still support like, well, pre-COVID supported like nannies and childcare providers. It wasn't a thing where I was like, I don't want anyone to help me with my children, but I wanted to be in control of how much that time was. So I hired people to help me early on. And I think that, you know, whether it was like an assistant to help me manage like client care, that was before I really understood like workflows when it came to clients, right? Like now I don't need as much assistance with that, but I also hired things like editors for, you know, as a writer, like editing my writing. And I think early on, I I didn't understand what is now my motto. And 
I use the word fire not to freak anyone out, but it's hire slowly and fire quickly. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I used to hire somebody because I needed someone. I had a good gut feeling and I went with it. But now my approach is we always consider it project-based first. So when I'm looking for somebody to fill a position, essentially I do interviews and then I do what I call a working interview. So I do a project that takes one to three weeks and it's always paid, right? I don't want to freak out and think it's like free labor. And then I just, I'm totally honest and I let them know, like I'm having other people do a similar type of interview with me right now, just to figure out if you're the best fit for me, but also if I'm the best fit for you, do you want to work with me on an ongoing basis as well? And that has really helped so much to not jump the gun and hire someone just because I'm, you know, feeling overwhelmed or want a hire to be the answer. Natasha, you know this, it's like, yeah you get to that place and you're like, okay, I'm ready. You know, I've, I've delegated out what I need help with. I've like written everything out. Maybe I've even done like standard operating procedures for those tasks. And then you hire the person and it's like, okay, like this is going to feel so much better, you know? Yeah. And remembering, wait, we've, we've been here before Margo. Like it's not like the person is not the magical solution. Oh yeah. Your business running easier. However, I'm so thankful that that has just been part of the way I planned to do things from the beginning. I also don't want a gigantic team. So there are certain types of businesses that you can build out where, you know, eventually as you continue to scale, you're going to end up with like 20 team members or 30 team members. That's not really my goal, but I do. I'm, I'm so thankful for the people that support me now. So I have help with client care. So doing the client management side of things, making sure our clients are taken really good care of in the funnel build intensives, because that's very high touch one-to-one. Um, I also have support with editing my podcast, the Trailblazers Way podcast, and with editing anything related to video. So that's basically where most of my support comes from right now. Oh, and editing for my funnel build intensives. So actually editing my copywriting itself. So those are kind of the four big areas. Yeah. And I feel like they're very strategic hires too. It's not just like, what would be fun to hire and get some help with? Like it's actually stuff that moves the fun, like moves everything forward for your business. And I really love how you kind of touched on that. You know, it's not a magical formula when you hire someone, like it takes a lot of time on your end, you know, to make sure everything is smooth, to have that back and forth conversation. Like not only do I like you, like, do you like me? Like, are we a good fit? Because I think people think with their first hire, they're going to find the perfect like assistant or whatever it is. And then you're like, okay, then that's done. No, I don't have to worry about it, but it's really a relationship. And I love how you kind of broke down how you've grown your team. Yeah. And I also like, even though they're individual aspects, sometimes I have a team member, like right now, one team member is handling a couple of those tasks that I just mentioned, but I always, when we have our meetings and when we talk about them and create standard operating procedures, keep those separated, even though one person is handling them. So for those of you listening right now that are like, I just have one assistant. How do I make sure that I'm ready in case I need to expand? Letting them know like, okay, this is our content management meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this is our separate ops meeting, right? So that like, as you expand, maybe those, those roles will switch to someone else. Maybe it will be them for a while. Eventually you will have turnover though. And so you need to be prepared for that. Totally. Um, And that's one way that we manage it. Even though sometimes people manage multiple roles. Yeah, that is such good tips for people that are starting out with hiring. And now let's hop right into emails, sales funnels, because I think it sounds really scary and intimidating. Maybe it's something that a lot of our listeners are already doing, but why is it so important to have those funnels set up when it comes to your email marketing specifically? 
So I like to talk about sales funnels as a way to just streamline your sales system. Mm. So for your listeners who are used to selling every day, um, they know that that takes a lot of work, right? It takes a lot of work to, to do it well, to have the right content to put out to actually track those sales, and then to actually make sure that the delivery side of things, like once somebody hits purchase, um, is all set up so that it's going to be a positive experience that is meeting the customer's expectations based on what the marketing was. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. And so it's not that it's something that I believe business owners shouldn't be doing every day. I do think that sales and being aware of sales is something that we should be doing every day as part of our business. Um, but I, I strongly believe that if business owners knew the kind of tools that they had available to them to streamline things, that they would not be feeling as chaotic as they feel right this minute, thinking about, okay, how am I going to make those sales that I want to make this month? What's the next promotion that we need to put out? And kind of doing this very like almost old school uh, sidewalk sale kind of attitude about their sales and marketing. We have tools available to us now um, that make it so much easier to streamline. So a lot of people that come to me and they purchase my course and they're, they're learning about how to do this in the past, they created a product or they've been in the works to create a product and they do a launch, whether they pre-sell that product mm-hmm. or they they're selling it after they've created it. So it could be a course, could be a membership, could be a coaching package that they deliver themselves. Um, and they're used to spending a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month pushing really hard to make as many sales as possible. And then basically like not wanting to exist in their business afterwards because they're, they're so tired. Right. And I'm not against launches. I still use them in my business and most of my clients will still use them as a hybrid part, like a part of their hybrid sales strategy. Um, But I do think that you're doing often yourself and your customers a disservice by not having a streamlined way for them to understand the compelling value of your product and be compelled to purchase it when you're not in the middle of a time-sensitive launch. So that's why most of what I focus on is evergreen or automated sales strategies so that we can have tools in place to build in the hype, the excitement, the urgency that you have in a launch, but that you can package up that information and content and continue to use it on an ongoing basis. Mm. You can do that using email marketing and then eventually you can expand later as your business wants to scale and you can bake in some paid advertising with Facebook and Instagram or even Pinterest and Google ads as well to retarget those people that are in your funnel and to bring people into the sales funnel. But you don't have to start with paid advertising. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk to me and they're like, oh, you do evergreen. Oh, that must mean that I have to do ads. And I say, you know, you don't have to start that way. I have clients, most of the clients that I've worked with that have been very successful with their automated webinar funnels have actually started with the organic audience that is fairly small. I'm talking less than 2000 email subscribers, less than 2000 Instagram followers. In some cases, clients with 300 email subscribers. And what I like to have them do is launch to their organic audience first. And when I say launch, what I really mean is turn on 
evergreen webinar funnel. And then after we optimize and get it working as well as we can, then they can think about doing paid advertising. But you want to, you have have it converting with your warm audience first. So those people who are already a part of your community or they're related to your community already before you do cold traffic or paid advertising. That's kind of the broad big picture. Yeah. And that definitely painted the picture for everyone that's kind of tuning in. And I think that kind of brings us into the next step, which is like, how are you getting people into the funnel? So do you want to kind of break down like your favorite lead magnets to use? I know you mentioned webinars. So what do you think are good fits, maybe depending on what you're exactly selling, like for courses or for memberships or for coaching? Like, how does that all look different? Absolutely. So when people ask me about lead magnets to get people to opt into their funnel, first, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Lead magnet, you're trying to magnetize or attract a lead to opt in. In other words, exchange their email address for access to something so that they can continue getting more information from you. And you can also give them a promotion. You can serve them a pitch to buy something from you. So I like to give this analogy. I live in a a coastal area. Um, I live in Washington state. We live by the water. And I tell people, you know, if you had a little channel that you had to get across and I could give you either a kayak to get from the island to the mainland, or I could give you a speedboat and you had to get there as quick as you could. Why would I give you the kayak? Right. I would want to give you the speedboat. Now there's like carbon emissions and all that. That's like a separate conversation (laughs) that makes it more complicated. But when I explained that basically using a webinar is like the speedboat Mm. and using um, a longer form lead magnet that gradually goes to a nurture sequence that eventually leads to a sales sequence that eventually leads to a pitch is kind of like the kayak, right? It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's um, a bad way of nurturing your audience, but it's a much slower route to get them not only where you need to get them in terms of making the pitch for the sale, but also where they want to get to. When you walk into a car dealership to buy a car, you don't want them to show you all of the trunks of the cars and all of the floor mats for the cars. And oh, here's the cookies in our lobby and never show you the cars, right? You came to that place, to that business, because you wanted help with the, solving a particular problem. And that was transportation. In the same way, when someone comes to you and your business, whether they find you on Instagram, whether they find you from a paid ad, whether they find you based on a referral from a friend and they headed to your website first thing, they want to know how you can help them to solve their problem. And so that's why webinars are typically the main way that I recommend that people bring people into their their ecosystem as an opt-in. The beauty of this is that it's really value first. The, The webinars that I teach people how to create are an educational tool first and foremost. The goal is actually to deliver value enough to the point that that person is going to be able to take it and achieve something in their business or in their life, if this is business to customer versus business to business, that day or that week. And so it's like a mini transformation that is delivered on the webinar the sales are a byproduct of the value. I'm going to repeat that again. With a webinar, the sales are always a byproduct of the value. So if you think that you're going to create a webinar for your business so that you can make some sales, that's actually the wrong attitude to approach it with. The attitude to approach it with, and I know that you know this, Natasha, because I've seen you deliver a webinar recently that was very like practical, very step-by-step. This is something I'm guiding you through. Um, 
the webinar's goal should be to deliver a amount of value, not just to overwhelm them with value, but to deliver a actionable amount of value that they can take away from that and achieve something. Then the follow-up email sequence to make the sale and the pitch at the end of the webinar to make the sale, those are just a byproduct. The other thing that a lot of people are going to see once they have an evergreen webinar, so something that is pre-recorded, it is available essentially 24-7, 365, Someone finds out about you, they click to your Instagram, they click to the link in your bio, boom, there's your webinar. They go to your website, right on your homepage, your announcement bar at the top, they can access your webinar. There's a lot of different ways to promote it. We, we could get into that in a minute. But when somebody is able to do that quickly, even if they do not become a sale, they are your warmest leads. I'm talking piping hot, touch it, it's going to sizzle lead because if they did not opt out of your email list and they went through that whole sales sequence, they are completely indoctrinated not only with the value and the authority that you have in your space, they actually become brand evangelists. I can't tell you the number of times that my students tell me, oh my gosh, not only are the sales coming in, but also all these people are talking about my webinar just like organically on their own. They're sharing it with their friends. And I often find a lot of people in their funnel because we have a way of finding out like why didn't people buy that's automated into the funnel that I teach people. And a lot of times the feedback they'll get is, I can't wait to buy this. Now I'm saving up for it. It wasn't the right time, but I told these three friends about it. That's the kind of feeling that we want people to walk away with from your webinar. And then in addition to that, it's a great PR tool because when this is the primary way to opt in, people outside of people that could become customers, I'm talking um, event organizers for speaking engagements. I'm talking um, media features that might have heard about you and they're trying to vet you before they invite you onto this live you know, television audience news recording. They can see how you present yourself, how your public speaking skills are, um, how you teach. And so actually another kind of byproduct of having a webinar as your primary lead magnet is that all of these other opportunities are able to come your way because people that are interested in inviting you to your event, their event, become much more interested because right after they find out about you, they can go watch your webinar as well. Mm, yes, that is all so good. And I know I remember before I had ever done my first webinar, I had tuned into a few webinars, but it always felt like we'd talk for like 20 minutes about some fluff, some good stuff that like I probably should do, but not with like an actual action. And then it would be like 40 minutes of like selling. And I'm like, this is not how webinars should be. Like I'm not going to buy because of this model. And so I know when I did my webinar, I was so happy with the results, but it was mainly because I was like, I just want to make a really awesome presentation. And then like, they're going to see the value. And if they're interested in my courses, they're going to see exactly how I teach, how I present. I love how you touched on it from like a PR perspective for speakers and everything like that. But I, I love how you really highlighted that it should be actionable and really valuable first and you not should just be thinking like, I'm going to get all these people on a webinar and then just like eventually sell to them. You know what I mean? Great. Yeah. And I think it's not, it's not, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh shoot, that's totally how I thought it worked. Don't feel bad, right? Like this is a judgment-free zone. I'm not here to shame you. Natasha's not here to shame you. I think that we can only do what we see. And if that's all that we've seen and we don't even have an inkling that it could be different, then 
that's what we, how we think it works. Right. And so a lot of what I share is like, I have a very, I don't have a sales and marketing background. So I'm really able to think outside the box. And that's why I always talk about like empathy driven marketing and putting yourselves in the shoes of the customer during the customer journey. You can think outside the box, whether it's with webinars or how you do your social media content or, you know, how you email your list, like you can blaze your own trail and do it your own way. So don't feel bad if you thought that that was the only way to do webinars in the past. <laughs> totally. And I think that, yeah, you're, you're totally a byproduct of what you consume and what you think is the norm. So kind of just doing your own thing with the webinar and having fun with it, I think you could see really amazing results. And I also love how you touched on empathy because I often hear, and this is related to Instagram strategy, but I think it totally trickles over to emails, is people feel so icky about selling. They're like, I don't want people to feel like I'm pushing things in their face and that I'm annoying them and all these different things. But I think, and it sounds like probably from a lot from what you do, is that empathy is really the key to making it where it actually feels like it comes from just like a more wholesome space. And it's not just like, how can I make money off of you type of mindset switch, essentially, with your copy. Yeah, absolutely. And empathy, you know, people might feel uncomfortable talking about empathy as a strategy, right? Like, oh, so you're going to manipulate people into doing what you want them to do. Um, But in reality, empathy is a natural byproduct of understanding your customers. If you have a small business where you don't have an entire team that's devoted to customer service and getting feedback and then taking action on that, then your obligation as a CEO of your business or a business owner is that you need to have a customer feedback and customer service process in your business that isn't just about how can we fix a problem with the product or how can we do better with the product, but also how can we take this feedback and better communicate about the product to future customers before they ever become a part of it. Because oftentimes what I see is that people have an amazing offer, they have a good audience, but the copy and the messaging does not connect those two. It does not become the bridge between those two. And and I'm even guilty of this as well, right? Like when it's easy to get into this mindset sometimes where we think we really know who this product is for, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I know for sure this is for like Betty Sue and she makes, you know, 50,000 a year and she shops at Whole Foods and she lives in Nashville. But in reality, you need to be doing consistent enough customer feedback research that you understand who you're speaking to because it's going to change over time. Like it or not, you cannot do your customer research for a product one year, and then three years later, be using that same customer research to decide what words you use in your copy, which testimonials you should feature highest on your sales page, right? The the customer research needs to be updated frequently. I recommend at least once a year that you're doing customer research for your product. And I have a whole process that I walk my students through with this. Um, but it, Empathy can be data-driven. I know it sounds like it's like this soft, squishy thing that you could never really wrap your hands around, but the goal is for it to be data-driven because real empathy in your marketing and in the words that you choose and in the video sales letters you record and in the webinars that you make um, is a natural result of understanding your customers by doing that consistent customer research. 
Mm-hmm. That is so incredibly powerful. And I know I was definitely guilty of thinking, oh, I'm posting tons of polls and question stickers on my stories. Like that's me doing research. And in a way it is. But before I did my my webinar, I actually did a form. I was like, I'm going to do official form. It had only a few questions. Like it was super brief, but I'm like, let me actually get feedback from my community and from my audience. And it was so interesting. Not only how many people said the exact same thing over and over again, even if they were completely different businesses and different stages of their business, but how it really could inform all of the captions and copy and things that I were writing for my launch and how I completely formatted my webinar. So I definitely agree with that. I think that doing your own research, it can sound really techie and numbers focused, but I think it really comes down to just like how you can serve better because then, you know, the selling feels a lot easier when you're really coming to like, what do they actually need and what are they really talking about and what are they interested in essentially? Totally. And on top of that, it makes copywriting way freaking faster. And everyone like nine times out of 10, the thing that gets people stuck when they're trying to write a sales funnel, um, write an email sequence, plan a webinar is, Oh, I just, I get stuck with the copy. I can't, I'm not a writer. I don't like writing to sell. I just like creative writing. And so I get stuck when it comes to writing the copy. But when you do the customer research and you have, you basically create from that customer research, a bank of copy, right? You have an entire bank of, um, you know, I have my students create this Google document and it has six sections. And when they need to like write something in a sales page that addresses objections, They go to their objection section, they pull out some verbiage, they plug it in and they can keep rolling. And so the way that I teach it, our goal is to get your sales page written in a day. The goal is to get your email sequence written in a day or less. Because when you're working from, I mean, obviously it's different because they have a template to work with, with the email sequence, but when you're working from the framework of the customer research, it makes your copywriting so much faster. And that's something that I think probably everybody listening right now wants, whether they do the copywriting or they have a copywriter on their team, they'd love for it to get done faster and with good results. Totally. I always tell people if you're struggling with what to write about for Instagram, and this totally applies to any type of copy you're writing, but literally just like listen and you will get so much valuable information from your clients, from your community, from the feedback forms that you're doing, anything like that. So I completely agree. You'll actually have like way too much content (laughs) from all those ideas. So I'm really glad we touched on that because I think that'll definitely inspire some people. Um, But I want to go back to the webinars and talk about what are your favorite tools when it comes to kind of running those email funnels for your clients, but also for hosting webinars, because I've never done an evergreen webinar, but I think that could be such a valuable tool for a lot of the listeners, something I definitely want to learn about. So I would love to hear your favorite tools when it comes to implementing all of this. Right. So this is a great question. Actually, something I delved into in my stories earlier this week, and I put it as a highlight. So those of you that find me on Instagram later, you can get more information there too. But A lot of people think that I am like very tech tool specific. And in reality, what I teach can actually be used across a wide variety of tech tools, which is encouraging for those of you that are just first starting out. And you're like, I can't afford the like $500 webinar tool. 
there are some great options that are much more budget friendly and even free options. Um, so this obviously may change after this recording, but as of right now, basically there are three things um, that you are going to need in order to run an automated or evergreen webinar funnel. Um, you're going to need some type of email delivery system. So an email service provider is what we call it in the industry or an ESP. You're going to need a actual webinar hosting tool. Um, so something where after you recorded the raw video footage, you can upload it somewhere and that's going to be able to play it for you on an ongoing basis once somebody arrives at the page to watch it. And then the third thing you're going to need is some way to create urgency. And we typically do this in the form of countdown timers and pages that will expire. And so you need an urgency tool and we typically use a countdown timer. Of those three, only one of them do I typically say, this is really the only one that you're going to want to use. <laughs> so the rest of them, let's go over a couple of options. So for the email delivery system, you can choose to use the email service provider that you're already using for your business. So that's good news. You might not need to spend any money there, depending on the tool. If you're using something like ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign, you can certainly use those to deliver an automated email sequence after a webinar that you can then and end that email sequence and move them back into your main list. If they don't make a purchase or if they do make a purchase, you can deliver the product to them. You can do that fairly easily. You can also have this integrated with your course platform if you're using a more robust one like Kajabi. Um, I know you can also do this with ClickFunnels and Kartra. Um, so those are some tools that you can use to actually deliver the emails. So for those of you that are trying to wrap your heads around this, think of it as the opt-in is where you first get the email address, then you serve them up the webinar page. You're also going to send them an email with the webinar page link just to make sure that they don't miss it. They get to the webinar page. That's where they see the embedded hosted webinar. And then they're going to get a series of emails after that. That gets more into the finer details, but that's why you need to have the email delivery because there are emails integrated with this process. It's not just about the webinar video. I would say that if you think that all of your sales are going to be made live on the webinar page, even if it's a pre-recorded webinar, you're missing out on a lot of sales if you don't have a follow-up email sequence and some triggered emails um, and some other details. So then the second aspect there is going to be the actual webinar hosting tool. Now, if you want to start very simple, you can actually host this on a page on a website and you can just use Vimeo or Wistia. So these are video hosting tools similar to having like a YouTube video embedded on a page on your website, but they give you more control. Whereas a YouTube video, even if it's unlisted, is going to have things like at the end of it, it'll say, here's some other recommended videos and some other things that <laughs> don't look super professional. With a Vimeo video, you have much more control. Um, you can make sure that it's um, not downloadable and you can also watch average watch times or retention duration. That's really important when you're using a webinar to see what percentage of the webinar are people typically watching. If everybody's dropping off at 30%, right, or like 30 minutes in, and you don't even talk about your product until 50 minutes in, then we know we need to go back to the webinar presentation itself, adjust the slides, improve the retention, right? So um, Vimeo is a tool, Wistia is a tool that you can use to host it for free on your website, and you just create essentially landing pages on your website that would place people in front of the webinar and it would be embedded on that page. So that's like the very simple option. You can totally scale up later. 
And then in terms of actual um, webinar software tools, there is Easy Webinar, um, Stealth Seminar, and then you get into Webinar Jam um, and some of the larger um, tools. A lot of my clients like to use Easy Webinar because they have a monthly option. Many of the more expensive ones have like an annual license and it feels like a big commitment to say, I'm going to pay for this for a year. Now, some people like me kind of like paying things for a year because we're like, all right, I made the investment. I need to like Get, get my butt over to that software tool. But Easy Webinar does allow you uh, a month by month. Because I work with all of these, I know the good and bad. Like I've seen clients have bad experiences with most of them. Um, and it used to be that I would be able to say, oh yeah, clients had bad experiences with this one, so we don't use it anymore. But I've been doing this long enough that I see clients have bad experiences with pretty much any tool. There is no perfect tool. Um, sometimes I've had clients where Easy Webinar, just all of a sudden the tags that it linked up with their email service provider had been working for months and they just disappeared. Ugh. So we had hundreds of people coming into this funnel. They were using paid ads at the time and all of a sudden they were getting no follow-up emails and we didn't know until a couple weeks later. So things do happen. That's why some of my clients like using the Vimeo on the website because they have more control. It's less integrated with more things. Um, and then the third thing is going to be your countdown timer or your built-in urgency. And this is really kind of the core of how an automated webinar can still convey enough urgency to make sales on an ongoing basis because you do give them a true deadline um, to receive either a discount or some sort of free bonus in addition to the core product or bundled products together that will expire after a series of days. Deadline Funnel is the tried and true tool that I use with pretty much all of my clients. There are other ones like Thrive Ultimatum. Um, mm. Kartra does have built-in countdown timers and ClickFunnel has built-in timers, but a lot of my clients want to start with the tools that they are already using. So their current email service provider, their current landing page platform. And so we typically use Deadline Funnel. And so that allows you to give them a deadline. You can have countdown timers set deadline in your email sequence as well as your sales page. And then you can actually make those pages disappear magic IT wizardry. <laughs> and so then you, you're, you're being honest. You're being genuine when you say you have a certain amount of time to decide if you want to get this additional free bonus or discount. No, oh, that is all so helpful. I literally was like taking notes. I was like, okay, these tools, that's great to know. And I feel like this episode was just so helpful to people because it really broke it down. Like you don't have to have, you know, tons of followers or tons of email subscribers to really use this structure that you've taught us to really get a lot of sales in your business. So I'm super excited for everyone to tune in and thank you much so much for sharing everything. It was so helpful. Yes. And if people want to learn from you, hire you, anything like that, where can they connect from you? Yeah. So if you want to learn more about what I do, you can go to margocarol.com. That's Carol with two R's and two L's. I'm also on Instagram at margocarol. Um, and then if you want to watch a webinar and you can actually opt in and then get this, the emails and kind of like see how uh, mm -hmm. an automated webinar sequence works, you can go to www.trailblazertoolkit.com. That's the name of my signature course. And you can opt into the webinar that's there and it teaches you how to use an automated webinar to to make consistent sales of your online product. And you can learn all about how that works, but also you can just spy on my webinar system. Awesome. I cannot wait for everyone to get their hands on that. And thank you so much for sharing your amazing tips with the audience. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Natasha. 
Thank you so much to today's expert guest for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time. Thank you.